Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. Chronic pain. Chronic pain. Chronic agony. You've heard the pain patients on this program. You've heard them talk about what they're going through, what their experiences are. You've heard them talk about being afraid of having their opioid medications withdrawn completely or dramatically cut by doctors, they tell us, who are simply afraid of the governing bodies, the governing bodies that threaten the licenses of medical doctors. And so patients find themselves, either without the opioid medication, which has helped them gain some quality of life over a period of years, or they have a dramatic reduction, which really doesn't provide them with the kind of relief they need on a day-to-day basis. I've read you some emails, and most recently I've received a lot of emails from the United States, from American patients, who write about being on the brink of committing suicide because their opioids have been withdrawn completely and they can no longer live with the pain. You heard me speak with the uh, wife and the daughter of a 53-year-old man from Vermont who, in fact, did take his life after several doctors just ran him through the mill and he eventually wound up with no opioid pain medication whatsoever and the pain that he was experiencing from the various serious illnesses that he had was just not something he could live with any longer. And tomorrow, pharmacists in the province of Alberta will start to question chronic pain patients who arrive with an opioid prescription about their pain, about their prescription, about their relationship with the doctor. And if the pharmacist is not particularly impressed with the prescription the doctor has written, then the pharmacist will have the option to contact the doctor and quiz the doctor about the prescription. We spoke last weekend with a registrar of the Alberta College of Pharmacists. I'll play that back for you tomorrow, because again, tomorrow is when the program begins in the province of Alberta. Other provinces will follow suit. It's all already happening in the United States, and a very large drugstore chain in the U.S., CVS, has made the decision, and we'll talk to somebody about that issue tomorrow from the U.S., but as I understand it, CVS has decided that if they don't like what they see, as far as the prescription is concerned, they will not fill it, or they will not fill it for more than seven days. There are millions of people in North America. The guesstimate or the estimate is one in a, maybe 111 million people in the United States, millions in Canada who are living with chronic pain, and they're going through hell. Dr. Len Webster is the past president of the American Academy of Pain Medicine. He's the author of The Painful Truth. It's also available in film online. He joins us uh, from Salt Lake City in Utah. Dr. Webster, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, Good to be with you, Roy. Thank you. Also with us, Dr. Gaylord Wardell, who's an anesthesiologist and pain specialist in medicine at Alberta. Uh, I've had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Wardell on a couple of occasions 
And Dr. Wardell, it's great to have you on the program, and please tell us what your sense Let's Let me start with you. What is it that the chronic pain patients are experiencing now that they should not be experiencing when it comes to their being restricted in obtaining the medications they require? Thanks very much, and I'd, I'd like to say uh, hello to Dr. Webster, who has been a, a very honored member of the pain fraternity for many years. It's a, it's a real honor to be on the show with uh, someone of his uh, caliber. But let me go back and, and say that this has gone on for a long time. Really, the war on drugs in the United States got started a long time ago, and of course in Canada we always follow suit from the United States. The old saying that when uh, the United States gets a cold, we get pneumonia has always followed. But in, in reality, one of the real issues is that for many years we realized that patients were being very poorly treated for chronic pain. And back in the 1980s, it became aware that opioids could be used quite safely in chronic pain patients, provided there were safeguards put in place and the patients were carefully followed. Unfortunately, the war on drugs ramped up. And sadly, most of the decisions that have been made that are affecting the vast majority of chronic pain patients who, in my personal view, having looked at these patients for 30 years and having treated so many of them, that there are almost none of them who suffer from the disease of addiction. So very few of those patients really have addiction, and very few of them really have problem with the drugs. But in society, there is seen to be a massive problem with these drugs. Uh, dramatic increase in opioid overdose deaths, many of those linked to prescription opioids. But in reality, they still remain a tiny, a tiny proportion of the patients who use opioids for chronic pain. So what has really happened in essence is that the opioid chronic pain patient has become the low-hanging fruit in the war against drugs. So these patients are in fact treated like criminals, they are actually stigmatized as being opioid users, and virtually every single patient of mine, and in my practice, I have around 300 patients who use opioids for chronic non-cancer pain, almost none of them whom have a problem with those drugs in the sense of abuse, addiction, or diversion but they're virtually always treated as criminals. So what we're seeing is these patients, and this happens because, now I'm sure Dr. Webster has a far better insight on this, but this happens in my view because this whole process is being run largely by policing agencies, government agencies who are responsible for responding in a knee-jerk fashion to a problem in society, and addictionologists, who are the ones who seem to be the loudest, uh, they're the loudest speakers in this, in this issue. And I'll give you a very good example. Dr. Webster created a, a wonderful document that we use as a screening tool called the Opioid Risk Tool. Now, I use that on every single patient that I see, and I hear a lot of doctors when I do, when I do talks say, oh, well, Obviously, you're, you're obviously thinking that these opioids are a serious cause for, for addiction, so therefore you're using these risk tools on these patients. But yet, if I give a patient an anti-inflammatory and ask them questions about their GI tract and their kidney function and their hypertension, 
under cardiovascular status. No, no, nobody says, oh, these are dangerous drugs. This is simply the way we look at the risk. When I use Dr. Webster's opioid risk tool, my patients invariably say, wow, I had no idea that some of these things, that adverse life experiences that have happened to me may increase my risk for chronic pain. But in the end here, I think what's happening, as you pointed out, we have this interesting event happening in Alberta. And one of the big problems with this is that, number one, these patients are not well known by the pharmacists. Number two, pharmacists, like doctors, have virtually no education in chronic pain. And, and number three, almost never are these, op- these patients, these pharmacists that are going to be scrutinized, scrutinizing their patients are on the team that's actually treating the patients. So in, in summary, uh, Roy, I think the real problem here is that legitimate pain patients are being stigmatized as criminals without the forethought that went into when, for instance, the uh, transportation folks realized that we had to screen people for risk on airliners. If we'd have taken that kind of thought and introduced the screening processes with that kind of concern for how this is going to be taken by the patients, we might have a better situation because in reality, and, and I really... I'm quite sure that Dr. Webster will confirm this. There are virtually no patients who take opioids the way they're prescribed who have serious problems with them in terms of the numbers we are given to believe exist by the press, governments, and particularly medical licensing agencies. Let me take so a quick break. Take let, let me take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll talk to uh, Dr. Webster because what we also have is we have terrified patients. But compounding the problem is we now have terrified doctors, doctors who are afraid they're going to lose their licenses to practice medicine. I'm specifically talking about Canada with the colleges of physicians and surgeons holding the sword over the doctor's head. That's uh, an analogy that uh, a doctor used when I had a conversation with him confidentially just a few days ago. We'll come back with Dr. Lynn Webster, Dr. Gaylord Wardell, and the story of the chronic pain patients, so many On this continent, so many of them are terrified. Increasingly, they cannot get the medication they require, the opioid medication, which has provided them with some level of quality of life. Increasingly, as Dr. Wardell has pointed out, they're made to feel like drug addicts and criminals. And I've heard that time and time again. We'll come back after this. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're back on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network with Dr. Lynn Webster and Dr. Gaylord Wardell. They are both pain management physicians, and we're talking about the needs of the pain patients, the chronic pain patients, who so often feel like they're just casualties of a system they no longer understand and can no longer work within because they're not getting the medications they require. Uh, LynnWebsterMD.com is the website of Dr. Lynn Webster. Dr. Webster, what is going on in the United States as far as pain patients are concerned, chronic pain patients are concerned? How far has this this um, attack on pain patients progressed? 
And, and what's the objective here? Because we're hearing that more and more pain patients are so desperate that they're actually not only considering suicide, but committing suicide. Yeah. Yeah, first I, I want to say hello to Dr. Wardell and, and indicate that everything that you said is uh, spot on. You've done a great job of providing um, an, uh, a summary of uh, really the situation that's out there. Yeah, and you're right. Um, I, I think that most of the most of the physicians know that we've gone through cycles, um, and right now uh, we are uh, the pendulum is swinging so far to uh, the opposite direction that we were in during the 90s and the first part of the century when um, probably there was a lot of opioids prescribed that should not have been prescribed. Um, and that they they became diverted. But for the most part, that's not with the people in chronic pain. It would have been uh, maybe post-op, uh, dental, emergency room, where there were a number of medications that were diverted, um, and then they were used by people who wanted to abuse them, and that's led to a big uh, problem. And as, when we look at the statistics, we see most of the harm uh, is occurring with people that are using illegal opioids uh, like heroin or the synthetic fentanyls or prescription opioids that have not been prescribed to them. But it's easy to focus on physicians. And it's easy, it, it, it seems easy to ignore people in pain um, because the loudest voices are those who have suffered from the tragedies of addiction and, and overdose. And we cannot discount the seriousness of that problem, but we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't ignore the people with chronic non-malignant pain or even cancer pain either. So uh, it, it is our inability to find a balance in trying to solve a problem with drugs that are dangerous, whether they're NSAIDs, as Dr. Wardell had just uh, indicated, those are dangerous as well, maybe just as dangerous as opioids, but there's a cultural um, there's a uh, there's a cultural thing that's been embedded that is anti-opioid um, beyond just the harm that they create. There is a stigma associated with opioids, the people who use opioids um, that that's basically 100 years old, where mostly minorities in inner cities would be uh, abusing the drugs. And that, I think, has continued for a century and today, when we start to use them for the treatment of, of uh, pain, um, people who are using them are castigated, and they're thought of as lowlifes and druggies, and that's unfortunate. Dr. Bordell, what pain patients in this country want to hear is that there are doctors who will actually prescribe the opioids that they require, not tell them to go elsewhere, not tell them they're being cut back, not tell them they're so afraid of their colleges that they, uh, they're afraid of losing their licenses, so we won't do anything for you. We also have heard more and more that there are physicians leaving the pain management field entirely because of the pressure that's applied. What's the message to the pain patient who says, help? Well, that's a, that's a very difficult situation because it really has to do with exactly what uh, Dr. Webster talked about, balance. Obviously, harm reduction is a big issue, but unfortunately, harm reduction is not the only issue. And, and I can assure you that everything you said is correct. There are many, many family physicians who now will no longer prescribe 
uh, opioids. There are also uh, many family physicians who now feel that it is an absolute requirement that they reduce the opioid doses that their patients are on. And I don't think right now for the pain patient there's any possible way that we can reassure them that this isn't going to get considerably worse. First of all, and there's no one knows this better than Dr. Webster because he's worked so hard to try and enhance pain education uh, in medical schools. As you know, when the Institutes of Medicine released their huge and, and really a tremendous document uh, about pain in America, they indicated that out of the 117, 115 or so accredited medical schools in North America, less than 10 of them had a credit course for pain where a patient actually, or a person, a, a student actually had to write an exam explaining that they understood something from the course. Secondly, there's very poor understanding about pain in general. Most people in the public and most people in the profession believe that it is absolutely necessary to have active tissue injury or active tissue damage in order to have pain. The concept of neuropathic pain, or in other words, pain being caused by damage to the nervous system, has not been accepted by the medical profession. It has not been accepted by the patients. There's one small group of patients understand out there who understand this extremely well, and those are the phantom limb patients. They always laugh when I talk to them about neuropathic pain and how you can have pain without having anything obviously wrong. Even in the orthopedic world, there's a very famous orthopedic surgeon from England by the name of Gordon Waddle, who some years ago was concerned by the fact that many patients appeared not to have anything organically wrong with them and had pain. So he created a series of uh, rules that would have let an orthopedic surgeon determine that the patient had non-organic pain. Now, by non-organic pain, by and large, if you talk to any uh, litigation lawyers in the States and in Canada who've done a lot of insurance and compensation work, they'll often refer to being waddled in court because this the waddle signs were brought up in court. But what they are, if you look at these signs very carefully... Let me get you to just hold that thought, if you, if you don't mind, because yeah. I do have to take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Gaylord Wardell, Dr. Lynn Webster, on the issue of chronic pain, chronic pain patients, and the physicians who are looking after these patients, and just how difficult it is for the patient, how difficult it is for the doctor. And uh, you may have been alarmed when Dr. Wardell said it's going to get worse before it gets better. We'll follow up on that. When we come back on The Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Big stories and even bigger guests. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Barry Elmer, the executive director of the Chronic Pain Association of Canada, told us on air a couple of weeks ago that RCMP officers have entered doctors' uh, offices to review files of patients. Let me just read you uh, two lines from a patient, pain patient in Texas. As I said, I get so many emails from the United States as well as Canada now from pain patients. 
We don't take these meds to get high, as drug addicts do. We take these medications to survive our pain and to function in our daily lives. Many of us still live with severe to excruciating pain, even with opioids. Dr. Lynn Webster, past president of the American Academy of Pain Medicine, the author of The Painful Truth, Dr. Gaylord Wardell, anesthesiologist and pain specialist in medicine at Alberta. They're my guests. Uh, Dr. Webster, when Dr. Wardell says he's afraid things are going to get worse before they get better, uh, and and I know that tomorrow, for example, in Alberta, that uh, pharmacists will begin to quiz pain patients on their specific pain and on their medications. Do you uh, do you agree with the assessment that things are going to get better, or worse before they get better, and and how much worse is it going to get? Well, I hope not, but uh, it is it is not a it is not a pretty picture out there now because, as you alluded to uh, early in the show, we have large pharmacy chains that are limiting the amount of medicine that. Uh, patients will get even with a doctor's prescription. So they're overriding what the doctors um, are uh, prescribing. And the, the, the political environment um, with the U.S. president's uh, opioid commission and uh, the senators and congressmen almost daily, uh, there are dozens of topics about the harm of opioids. N- rarely, rarely is there an article about um, people in pain. And what this um, uh, what this campaign is doing for people in pain. So, I think that uh, uh, I, I'm afraid that there are more and more physicians that are going to stop seeing people in pain. Uh, I, like you, would receive a number of emails uh, across the country uh, from people asking for help, asking me to give them a name of a, a doctor in their area that might be willing to see them. But even if I can do that. All of the physicians are quite concerned that the regulatory bodies, whether it's the state medical boards or the DEA in the U.S. or something comparable in Canada, is um, going to take their livelihood away, if not even uh, uh, imprison them. So uh, there's there's a lot of fear, um, both by physicians and by patients, that we have not hit the bottom. And Dr. Wardell, some doctors, perhaps more doctors than we know of, have had their prescribing, their their narcotic prescribing privileges removed. Well, in in Alberta, of course, uh, with the triplicate prescription program and a reasonable amount of transparency at the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Alberta, uh, we can actually find out. And actually, they have been very, very small numbers. But in reality, what is much more important is the implied threat. Actually, there have been very few doctors in Alberta had their prescribing rights taken away, but patients uh, have often been told by their doctor that the college tells them they can no longer prescribe opioids when it's simply based on the new April guidelines. And and what they're saying is that they could have their license taken away if they don't. Yeah, doctors are terrified. I don't think that's I don't think that's an understatement at all. Yeah. And of course, for most doctors, opioid prescribed patients are a very tiny portion of their livelihood. So it's pretty easy to cut them loose. Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. And we've spoken with the Professor Jason Bussa on this program on a number of occasions, the editor of the guidelines, and he continues to insist 
that there should not be a dramatic drop in the opioid prescriptions, that it should be done very slowly, very carefully, and with the patient's cooperation. Obviously, the colleges, medical colleges, don't see this quite that way. But what, I mean, what does the pain patient have to look forward to if if you can't get the what you require to I'm going to come back to this point. If you can't get what you need to control your pain, make your life livable, and now the pharmacies are getting engaged, and we have the Alberta College of Pharmacists writing their own guidelines with nobody asking them to, and the registrar admitted that to me last weekend, what, what now? What, what's, the, what's the advice to the pain patient who's listening to this program and says, I need help? Tra- tragically, uh, the, the, the biggest problem is, is, is education, and you can't treat what you can't see. Almost every patient that I see, and I, I'm sure that Dr. Webster's patients will say the same thing, they will say, nobody really believes I have the pain. Now, it's not that they probably say they don't believe it, but in terms of validation, you have to recognize that the patient has a legitimate reason for having pain. And the vast majority of doctors in Canada, and I don't know about the situation in the United States. I go to a lot of American meetings and I kind of hear the same things, but I'm sure Dr. Webster has a better finger on this pulse. Very few doctors understand the idea that you do not have to have tissue damage to have pain, that in chronic pain there's very little correlation between the health of the tissues and the pain that the patient experiences, and the pain is absolutely real. There is virtually no such animal as imaginary pain. I've done palliative care for 30 years, and I can tell you that suffocation is the worst experience that people feel. Pain is number two, and when a patient is dying and they get suffocation, their pain might be extinguished by that. So if a patient comes into the doctor and the doctor says, well, you must be making this up, or they imply they're making it up by saying, oh, the x-rays look normal, the MRI looks normal, or oh, I've had a broken leg and it's never felt like this, those are euphemisms for I don't believe you have pain. If pain was imaginary, if people were imagining the second most harmful experience they could imagine, they would simply imagine it to go away. And they can't. There's no such thing as imaginary pain. I have and to guess I have to guess that not, I have that to guess, Dr. Wardell, I have to guess that you and Dr. Webster know this. Thousands of other physicians know this. Why don't doctors then as a group, as a as a, as a large group of caring individuals Swallow the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Why don't doctors, Actually, as a large group, defy the, the, defy the colleges? Say, the Hippocratic Oath doesn't say first do no harm. It says first do no intended harm. And that is a terrible misuse of the Hippocratic Oath that many doctors have done, many politicians have done. It's sad. And actually, I don't agree that there are many, many doctors who agree with Dr. Webster and I. I think there are many doctors who are politically correct enough to know that they should say that. No, no, I didn't but say I they agree they with really you. Do. I said that they know, what, they know what you're saying is to be true. So why don't doctors en masse just battle their colleges or their governing bodies in the interest of taking care of the patient? Money. <laughs> Roy, I think I, I think Dr. Waddell is, is is correct that, frankly, I think that there are many physicians who who really doubt the need to treat a lot of pain, and because they don't understand it, it gets back to the what you were saying earlier um, that we, we we're not taught in a medical school 
or in our residency training programs about pain other than it is a symptom rather than the disease it becomes. Um, and, and that lack of training is parallel to the lack of knowing how to treat it then, mm-hmm. because each one of the different pain types may require a different approach to be optimal. So I think there is a there is clearly uh, a large number of physicians who are opposed to using opioids without offering a replacement that must simply ignore the needs of people in pain. Otherwise, I don't know how they could take that position. All right, I have about a minute left. And I, I'm thankful that you, that you two doctors care about the pain patients and stand up for the pain patients. What, what's the logical step that should be taken? I, mean, I don't even know what the smart question is at this point because I know what the right thing to do is. I just don't know why it's not being done. But what's the, what's the step that has to be taken, Dr. Wardell? Well, I, I'm completely in agreement with uh, with Dr. Webster. It has to be education, and education is a slow process. Mm-hmm. So we leave it at that for this time, and I hope you'll both come back. Thank you, Roy. Thanks so much. Thank you, and and, and Dr. Webster, it's just been a, a pleasure to to actually hear your voice. I've I've read your stuff for many years, and it's just uh, delightful to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you. Nice meeting you as well. Hopefully we get to work together someday. Dr. Lynn Webster and Dr. Gaylord Wardell on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. There are millions of chronic pain patients, millions of chronic pain patients who are wondering what happens to me. What's going to happen to me? And that's a legitimate concern. Tomorrow I'll play back for you the interview that I had with the registrar of the Alberta College of Pharmacists. Because tomorrow, again, the Alberta pharmacists will begin to quiz pain patients about their pain, about their prescriptions, and about their interaction with opioids. We'll come back in a minute. Have a very interesting guest coming up. Stay with us.